one of the coolest things that I got to do when I was in business school was meet Warren Buffett. And, um, and, uh, you know, we were at a dinner with him and, you know, someone asks, you know, the traditional question of, Hey, what advice would you give, you know, a fresh MBA? He said, like the better the train, the more mistakes you can make. And that, that is, has been really true. Like I personally have made a lot of mistakes um, as, as CEO of what esports, but because esports is a growing phenomena in the world and it is massively growing in Southeast Asia, like those mistakes don't matter as much, you know? Hey everyone, welcome to the Craft Podcast. Today, our special guest is Carlos Alimurong, who is the CEO of One Esports. Uh, welcome, Carlos. Hey, John. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. We have a lot to talk about. Um, I want to talk about your craft. I want to talk about One Esports. I want to talk about gaming, esports, everything in Southeast Asia. Let's start off with uh, your craft, since that's what this podcast is focused on. Um, I know you're the CEO, uh, but you know, was there, what was the craft that got you to this position? Yeah. Um, so first of all, when, when you, uh, you know, asked me to be on this thing and to like, Hey, you have to pick a craft. I recall, I, I recalled an interview that like Mark Cuban gave once and the, like the question that Mark Cuban got was, was something to the effect of, hey, if you woke up the next day and you had like $0 in, in your bank account, like what would you do? And, and, and Mark says, well, well, first of all, I know what it's like to have $0 in my bank account. And that was like one part of the, his story. But then he said, I would do exactly what I did when I, when I didn't have money, which is I would sell. I, I would be a salesperson. And when I had no money, I literally went door to door. And I forgot what he said, you know, like selling DVDs or something. He was going door to door selling something, right? And that is when, when you asked me this question, like, what's the craft? It was very similar to like that question, which was if there was like one thing that I, I had to rely on to get my feet back, uh, you know, back and get my game back on. Like for me, it would certainly be business development. Like that has been a kind of the tip of the spear on a lot of the things that I've I've done in my career, and um, you know, so yeah, that that for me is my craft is is BD is is I think one of the few things that I'm I think I'm pretty good at. That's great, actually. That's something you know. I've been in between crafts. I, I was debating if that's going to be the craft I you know spend the next decade of my life on, um, but you know, BD is interesting because. Even BD is a broad topic for people. Who yeah, yeah. So yeah, here's totally. a couple of here's a couple of angles or or versions of I've I've heard, and you let me know which yeah. you specialize in, if any. Mm. So one type of BD kind of just involves sales. Um, yeah, you yeah. are getting the either the external partner to pay something or yeah. like a joint deal, like revenue share. Yeah. yeah. Um, the other part, which I kind of hear a lot about, is like you know like strategic partnerships. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Financial, there could be a financial component, but it seems like uh, even the non-financial part could be just as important. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think, uh, yeah, I think those are the top two. I don't know if there's any anything else, but what do you think? 
Well, I, I well, first of all, I think there are other. I think people have other definitions of BD, and then I'll tell you kind of how I view it. Well, there, there's another version, another view of BD, which is like just straight up negotiation. Like it, it, you're kind of like already in the middle of the funnel of, of the relationship and now you're negotiating. There's this element of, of BD that, you know, look, there's, a, there's always gonna be something that you gotta sign at the end of the day, right? So there's a trading, a trading of horses. So that's another one. Um, and, and so, but the way I look at it, regardless of if, it, if it's like totally sales oriented, like getting dollars in or it's building strategic partnerships or it's like being the, the lead you know, negotiator, um, I kind of view it very differently, which is regardless of those roles, like the part that I think a lot about is the front part of that funnel, which is like, how do you um, position yourself and orient yourself such that whether you're going for dollars, going for strategic partnerships or trying to have like a really good negotiation with the partner, how do you set that up in a way where you've kind of greased the wheels, you know? Um, and the, the kind of the short answer that I've learned, and I don't know, the, the you know, 23 years that I, I've been a professional is you gotta give a lot to the community to get, to, to get there. Like you always have to be giving, like regardless, like you need to be viewed as the person who is actually sending opportunities to people. That, you know, you got to be known as the person who's connecting people, right? And then, you know, um, you get to a point where opportunities come to you just because you're known as like a nexus of a lot of different people in the community that you do business in. And that, that is, I think, one area where people um, kind of neglect. They, they don't focus a lot on that, which is you got to pay it forward a lot, pay it forward a lot. Um, and get the engine going for other people, and it will come back to you in dividends. That that's if there's one big piece of advice that I would give people that are kind of on this BD track is pay it forward, man. Like you, you the first thing in your mind should always be how can I be a servant to this person? How can I deliver value? How can I give them opportunities? Um, and 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 even when you're totally not involved, you know, um, that's I think. When I think about the, the best BD people that I have been mentored by or coached by, that is by far the, the common characteristic of them. I think you are spot on. And I would even go a step further to say that that mindset is so important, whether you're doing BD or not. You know, you know I met most of my producers in my UCI class, and I think I, I, think I have a pretty good handle on um, just kind of like some generational differences. And yeah. I feel like the people who are like, you know, new college grads today, I'm overgeneralizing. Um, <clears throat> they don't have the same mentality that I see in, let's say, like my generation, which may be different than, than yours or like we're probably similar age. But, uh, you know, I, I, I literally try to go like, OK, what can I do for that person? And on top of that, I don't just like ask them. Right. I think I do the research. I do my homework before I even get there, because what I hear a lot from younger folks trying to get into any industry or, or trying to do like LinkedIn networking or recruiting, um, they're always like, oh, hey, uh, you know, I want to connect with this. Like, for example, I mean, look, like, especially for someone like you, like CEO of one in esports, boom, let's go for that guy first. But I always tell them, look, two things. Number one, what value are you going to provide to someone like a Carlos, right? Like if you're just really entry level, aim for someone like one or two levels above you first. It's like me trying to like ping Jeff Bezos for an update, like, or like, like a mentorship. 
It's just, yeah. you're just not there yet, right? Um, yeah. and, and number two, try to find a person who's like a, a couple of levels, like uh, or a couple of years ahead of you, and then really like identify what they're doing. Like for example, people who, I mean, we live in a world of content, as you know, um, yeah. especially in your job, like, you know, con like content is king across the board. I mean, in so many ways. So like everyone's got podcasts and YouTube videos and whatnot. So like, you know, if you want to learn about you, uh, you know, just go, go, go research just articles. There's lots of stuff. That's actually how I even thought it just remembered about you recently, because you're, you've been on like, I don't even know you're all over LinkedIn. I think just even this week, like twice, I forgot about what, probably some podcast article or, or, or YouTube video. So yeah, no, I just want to just kind of reiterate that I, I totally agree with you about giving value first. Yeah. And the, the you know, the, uh, you know, just to kind of turn the tables a little bit, you know, my, my, the other thing that I would encourage, encourage real experienced people is to give like young people the chance and the opportunity because, you know, there, there's, you know, as you, as you kind of advance in your career, you generally meet two types of people. One person who like literally thinks they have the Midas touch and everything they touch is gold. And that's why they, they're where they are. And then there's another person who's like totally realizes that in the grand scheme of like the universe, they, they've been just massively lucky. You, you, you know what I mean? And, and those are basically the two types of people that you, lead, you meet on this path when you meet really successful people. They're, they're, they're basically one of those two people. I'm more of these like, oh my goodness, I can't believe how lucky I've just been in my whole entire life, you know? Um, and so, dude, what sometimes I'll get those random like 21, 22 year old kid who's just like finishing school and just like randomly like, like messages me. And I will freaking, I'll respond. I'll be like, all right, dude, you got 20 minutes. Let's talk, you know? And there's a serendipity to that because when I think about my own career early in my career, man, I got a lot of those like random kind of freebies and people just being nice to me, you know, when, Dude, when I totally did not deserve it, you know, and and so you know, my advice to the more experienced people is, like, give the give a random kid a chance, you know, because you could totally change his or her life, you know. <laughs> I love that, and uh, I got a story, and I'm gonna put you on the spot. So yeah. I, I feel the same way, um, you know. When I got out of the military, of course, you know, we got good leadership training and leadership experience, but we didn't have any like civilian craft. So when I first when I got my first job as like a senior consultant at Ernst and Young, they hooked it up and I appreciate it. And I was doing like consulting on derivatives. I didn't know what derivatives yeah, yeah. are. I think even yeah. most people who work in finance don't. It's like the most complex financial instrument. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. so you're totally right. I, I do. I actually, yeah, I feel so lucky. Like I've had like great managers and just giving me like random jobs. And I think um, as like the recipient, uh, what I've been doing is like prepare myself for luck, right? Like good attitude acknowledge like don't lie like hey I, I don't know anything about this topic but i'm gonna learn and here's another topic where, where i can learn anyways back to the putting you on the spot part um, yeah look <laughs> you know a lot, a lot of the folks here on this on the call who are not on video who are working with me um i've been trying to help them out too so as an example uh you didn't get to meet jimmy yet but jimmy's uh, our, our video editor i was yeah. wondering since i see that you have like seven video editing positions open I don't think like he just started, so I don't think he has all the experience. Yeah. Do you have like a video editor you could put us in touch with? So, or like the manager of your creative services so that like Jimmy can learn a little bit. Yeah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. No, yeah, totally. Awesome. 100%, 100%, 100%. Look, 
Um, and 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 uh, you never know. Like Jimmy should apply. <laughs> you know, like um, okay. I was. So, yeah, like, I didn't want to get that far, but hey, let's yeah, do yeah, it. Yeah, I, I love it. Yeah, okay. I mean, yeah, sweet. Um, uh, that's one thing. Another thing I want to just reiterate because I, I I missed it in the last answer you gave was about you know you were saying basically. The, the relationship part of BD. And after just being in the industry or sector for a while, you're like making these connections. And um, I gotta tell you a crazy story. So uh, I, I'm, I'm interested in education as well. Like that's, you know, after working at Amazon Kids, I was like, you know what, I'm gonna add education as an adjacent industry in my portfolio of skills. So yeah. I started angel investing in um, education startups. And there's one I couldn't get into, but was very exciting called Maven. So Maven is you could do uh, cohort-based classes online. And that's not necessarily new, but the difference is, you know, when you go like Harvard or UCI, a lot of times you need like, uh, like a master's degree or a PhD to teach, even though a lot of people could be like 20 years uh, in, in an expert, but just because they don't have a yeah. degree, they could be able to teach. Yeah randomly i found this course i was very interested in it was actually about relationships and whatnot but the the course fee is a donation to like a water charity so this is a really kind of like random you know what i'm gonna just do random thing i signed up i met all these uh other like vcs actually who were interested because the 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 main instructor was um i think like a a former like partner or like he's like a a big shot at uh, first round capital and they just invested in you know they they Roblox went IPO and they did really well. Yeah. So for me, a lot of this is like, okay, hey, Roblox, I like kids education. This guy's a partner. I want to get, get to know him. And I totally. did through this class. And then it got even crazier. So one of his um, uh, person that helps him with the class, uh, he's an associate at another VC firm. And we just connected. I joined his podcast. Uh, and then he just paid me Monday. He's like, hey, can you intro me to uh, the SVP of gaming for the NBA? Yeah. And I was like, hey, you know, I, I haven't talked to that person in a while, but, but let me try. And now it's like, it's like a triple win. One, uh, I, I haven't met with this guy in a while. And I said, hey, um, just want to yeah. catch up with you. And hey, on top of that, this person from this fund is interested in talking to you. There could be a good opportunity. I don't know. You let me know if you want the intro. He yeah. said yes. And now, you know, like I won, the, the, the VC guy won, and then the, hopefully yeah. the NBA guy won as well. Exactly. That's exactly, I mean. You know the uh, you know as I said the the people that are most successful in BD are they're they're connectors they're 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 just out there delivering value and, and opportunities to other people and um and they're letting the the kind of the social network engine work for them you know just by paying it forward like that's but and and, and the thing is it that takes time it, it takes time. Um, you know, what, what, what I mean by that is one, you got to stay in, in a kind of a space for a few years, you know, like you're not going to develop that in months, you know, that's going to at least take you a couple of years, even two or three years to kind of meet a lot of people, connect a lot of people before that engine really starts moving, you know? Um, and so you got to be committed to the space. And um, that, now, now I, I will say something as well that might contradict what I just said, which is the other thing that I've, uh, that I've noticed about great uh, BD people that I've learned from is that they also do have a diversity of spaces and the kind of the more orthogonal those spaces are, the, 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 the actual, the more creative they can be, you know, like um, being in sports and then being in kids and then being in gaming and then being in documentary, you know, I'm making stuff up, but you understand what I mean? Like, 
when the spaces are not traditionally kind of linked together and you're that person who's like, you know, kind of linked, I mean, and, and can be that connector, that's where like there's massive value. So, you know, from, from a, if you were thinking about kind of building a career about BD, you know, there's, there's two, those two um, kind of, in some respects, di, um, diametrically opposed things. Like one is you got to spend time in a place to get depth, but then if you can add spaces that are totally different than the existing spaces that you have, you become even more valuable to the network. So, you know, I think those are, you're spot on. And I do think those are things that uh, people can do, especially when they're like kind of already in the industry. So my question to you is, you know, if we had to break this down to act to like an actual skill or skill set, what would it be? Let me give you an example. So you were saying, um, let's say, let's say you're starting off as a BD associate or coordinator. Yeah. And you don't know much at all. Right. Yeah. So you are potentially sometimes doing like code outreaches or warm outreaches. Yeah. One skill set could be, hey, can you do enough research into the person um, yeah. to get that information? Whether well, yeah. are there just like very like elementary skill yeah. sets uh, the entry level BD person uh, can have? And also, actually, is it am I even correct in saying, is there really an entry level BD role? Is that even a thing? Yeah. Um, well, I mean. It, it is a thing in the sense that there are junior BD roles out there. Um, but let me kind of, I think, answer just the spirit of your question. And um, I'll refer this to, to my own experience, because in, in a way, I, I kind of was a rookie when I started um, what I'm about to explain to you. So I, um, you know, I, I had I spent a good solid four years at, you know, one of the biggest media companies in the country, in the, in the States. And you know, after four years of that, I, I was, um, I don't know, I was 37 or 38. And that's when I kind of decided, all right, I, I want to get into the startup space, right? Like, I, there was a lot of things going on with me personally, like I was dating my, my, my now wife, but I was like, oh, dude, if I get into startups, I got to do that before, like, I get married. So that, that was what that was kind of one motivation. The other one was, you know, as a 37, 38 year old, I kind of looked at my career. And, you know, I'd been in, management consulting for a big chunk of years. I've been in big consumer electronics, then big media. And I just felt like, you know, I needed and I, and I wanted to experience real startup experience. Now I had, you know, essentially experimented it when I was in business school and when I was at undergrad, but never like full on. And so I, I, I remember this, like there was this Monday morning and I, I made the commitment. I was like, I am going to devote, uh, the next five, five years to, or, you know, I was even, I, I don't even think it was five years. I was like, I'm going to devote the next three years to, to startups. Right. Then the question is like, okay, how, how do you even start that? Right. And one of the things that I think really benefited me, and this is advice that I, I give to not only um, young people who are starting out their careers, but also experienced executives who are like looking to kind of do new things and reinvent themselves is is you got to be focused. And, and I at that, so I was 37 and I basically committed myself to learning and, and networking in three spaces. At the time, you know, at the time I was living in New York. So um, it was FinTech, it was gaming and it was autonomous vehicles. And I, and I went deep. So the first step that I always give to people, say to people is, hey, you really got to, you got to get it down to three at least at most three, and I'd probably encourage you to get it down to two, because 
in order for you to be kind of credible and, and, and build the right kind of um, reputation in, in that particular community, you got to have focus. You, you kind of got to be a, a sniper with it. And um, that's kind of the first step. And then the second step um, was I just committed myself to say, I literally said, every Tuesday and Thursday, I'm going to have coffee or beers or martinis with someone in one of those three spaces. And I just literally put it in my calendar. I, I mean, and, and this is the other thing that I would tell that I tell people as well. Not only write stuff down, but put it in your calendar. Why? Because when you see it on your calendar and you happen to not fill up that space with someone in, you know, gaming or fintech or autonomy, you should feel bad. <laughs> You're like, it's like, oh man, like I was supposed to like meet someone today and I couldn't set it up. Right. Like, and I think there's this some kind of thing that goes in your brain when you see it, when you miss it on the calendar, right? And you have to kind of induce yourself to be like, oh man, like I put myself out there and I didn't accomplish that. Like you, you in some respects, you need, you need the, negative feed, the, the negative feedback loop, you know? Um, and uh, the, the, the last thing I would say is kind of similar to what you said is as you're doing your networking, as you're building, um, you know, your relationships is, like start, start small, like small, you know, and, and start with, you know, you'd be surprised how connected you actually are. You, you know, you're, you're, everyone has five best friends. Talk to your five best friends and say, hey, do you know anyone in XYZ space? And I can almost guarantee you, they're going to know somebody. They're going to know somebody. And that's where you start. And this is the last thing I would say is when you get that meeting, Always ask that person, are there other people that you would recommend that I meet? And 97% of the time that I've asked someone that question, they have said, yeah, oh yeah, you should meet John or you should meet, you know, Joanne or you should meet like Melissa or whatever, right? And that's how you start. I mean, literally, that's how you start. You know, you, you ask your friends and families for that one intro that they know, and then you just keep asking. Are there other people that you would recommend me speaking to, right? And, and that's how I kind of got started. And, and I quickly, through that process, I quickly realized that I, you know, autonomous vehicles was cool, but I was way more passionate about FinTech and gaming. And then, and then I eventually just went full on gaming, right? So eventually I got from, I started at that three and I just went into one. And then, and then it just, not only was it gaming, it became esports, you, you, you know? And, and, and I think if there is kind of a horizontal across as you go through all of those steps, like that's the mentality that I think you need to have, whether it's starting a new career or, or doing a strategic partnership is you essentially actually are in the process of closing doors. You know, like that is that like people think about BD as like opening a lot of doors. And yes, there's an element of that. But there is also a part of it, which is like closing the doors and like really getting focused on like on the on the objective that and, and understanding that balance. I think you learn over time, um, but it's not just about opening doors. It's also about like focusing and getting laser tight on something. Yeah, you're spot on. I think, um, you know, going back to your startup experience with Battlefy, I have to say I have mad respect for you because even though Battlefy is a good company and a good startup, 
most people don't even make it four years at like an Amazon or, or big tech, much less a startup. And the reason I mentioned this is once again, I do think some of our audience is a bit younger. It's so tempting and you could just look at, you know, let's just use the big tech because I know them the best. Their average tenure is around two years or a little bit under two years. And um, when I thought about, you know, my, one of my biggest regret, regrets was semi-regret, but also happy about it was leaving Riot after only two years to do my startup. Um, which didn't really end up well. So I guess, you know, uh, but if it did end up well, I think I still think the same way, which is uh, when I think about the, the places I've been for, let's say four plus years, and I'm just making this number, doesn't everyone can have their own number, but like it took me a couple of years to even get like competent or, or to know what I'm doing in the military. And then by the time I was at year five, I was like, wow, like I felt like a master of my craft. Same yeah. thing at Amazon. Amazon, honestly, they forced my hand because Amazon's got reverse vesting. Maybe yeah, five yeah, percent yeah. year one, Come yeah. on, Jeff Bezos. But that forced me to save save four years, and yeah. I actually got to see some of the decisions I made. Some of them turned out good. Some of them turned out not so good. I feel like yeah. in two years you were just like it's a whirlwind almost. Yeah, yeah. No, startups or big companies. Yeah. I, so there's two things there that I I like to jump on. The first one is, yes, I always encourage young professionals to think about it as, as really you're unfortunately the vast majority of us are going to work till we're 60. Like that's just, you know, that's just the reality, right? Like very few of us are going to get that ticket and like hit it big and then be like, do whatever the hell we want. Right. Um, and so when you think about it from that perspective, you can afford to stay at a place for like four or five years. And and um, I encourage young people to, to think about that because it, it, you got to experience the ups and downs of, of, of a place and, and because that, I think, is an incredibly um, maturing thing to do, happen to yourself professionally. Um, and, I, you know, I think that's, that's just hugely important. You know, the, the, the other thing I would say, which I kind of want to jump on here is I think the business media has really glorified startups and they have really deified um, like successful startup CEOs. And I, I think there's a part of that that's really healthy. Like, I mean, Jeff Bezos, Zuckerberg, Elon Musk, you know, like the, the, you know, Bill Gates, these guys are like what they have, done is kind of crazy um, you know when you literally i think you know and, and obviously these guys are controversial in their own way but like when you think about i personally believe this is my own opinion that they have when you when you add up the credits and debits like they have added massive social value you know um so in some respects these guys do deserve to be put on this pedestal but then I, I, I think like startups have been so glorified in a way where, you know, everyone thinks that they belong at a startup. And, you know, I try to tell people, it's like, look, just like how not everyone belongs at a Fortune 100, it, it goes the other way too, which is some people are not designed for a 10-person startup, you know? And so now I think I think as a professional, you owe it, your, owe it to yourself to try to experience both of those. But to be clear, you're not 
you know, not everyone is designed for that. You know, um, they're not designed for startups or and maybe, maybe not designed to work at a big company. And that's, I think that's part of the learning process that I would encourage, you know, younger professionals to also think about, which is, yes, like startups are really cool and sexy, but I, you know, I don't necessarily think that's the, for everyone, it's the best place to start your career. You know, like it might actually be better to start your career at a big company where there's structure, where there's process, where you can like learn the ropes, where you can get some real mentorship. Most of the time in startups, dude, it's like total managed chaos. You know, it's, it's just like full on craziness, right? There isn't um, enough of that mentoring and, and coaching, um, particularly in the early days of a startup, which might be better for young professionals, you know? So I, that's another thing that I, I, I like to give a moment of pause for particularly young professionals, which is like, hey, like startups are cool, but just recognize that, you know, think about what's what you, where you would be more successful in the early part of your career. Yep. Um, let's turn it. Let's turn the conversation over to one esports a bit. Uh, just for my own education, I'm super fascinated. Yeah. So I was just checking like Wikipedia. It looks like it's a it's a joint venture between one championship and Dentsu. Like, what yeah, are those yeah. companies and like what what's, what's, yeah, what's yeah. this all about? Yeah. So. Um, so in, in the world of mixed martial arts, there's essentially two big players. There's obviously the UFC, which is huge in, in North America, in, in Europe. And then the other players won championship, which essentially dominates Asia, right? And um, this business has been around for 10 years. It's, it's massively successful, incredibly scaled. Um, and mixed martial arts uh, is really like a Gen Z and millennial uh, kind of uh, audience. And naturally, if you're a Gen Z millennial audience, there's massive overlaps with like gaming and esports, right? And you know, Dentsu is a big is a big partner um, of one championship, particularly obviously in Japan. You know, like you know, they're 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 massive in Japan, but also you know in, in Asia, uh, well, also globally. I mean, they they're they're a big part of the Olympics. Um, and uh, the idea was, hey you already have an incredible business in, in mixed martial arts. Like let's create a joint venture where you're focused on, on esports in Southeast Asia and, and in Asia. Um, and the premise was built on two things. One was one that there's kind of high overlap between the, the communities, which is true. And then the other premise is um, the storytelling in esports. Um, is, is, you know, in my, in my opinion, is kind of very behind the storytelling that gets done in the NBA or the English Premier League, right, or, or the NFL, right? And so one of the, th you know, our mission at One Esports is to share and celebrate the stories of esports heroes who ignite the world with strength, hope, dreams, and inspiration, right? And what we're trying to do is take these esports athletes and elevate them to the same pedestal as a Serena Williams, a LeBron, you know, a Messi and Ronaldo, um, and do that through really compelling storytelling and do it in a way that is massively um, comprehensive and seamless. So what I mean by that is One Esports hosts and executes large-scale world-class esports events. You know, we did the Dota 2 Major um, earlier this year. Uh, that generated something like 274 million views around the world. I mean, massive. Um, we own and operate One Esports.gg which is already 
easily within the top five of, of global esports news sites, primarily because we're localized in Indonesia, Bahasa, Tagalog, Thai, Vietnamese, English. I mean, where the content is, is localized and focused on, on our markets. Um, we, uh, our social media is massively scaled. Uh, we're generating something close to like 300 million monthly impressions. Um, we have a studio that does long form, short form and streaming content. Um, and we also have our own in-house data, data and analytics team. So having that complete content flywheel, that content stack enables us for our fans to give them like kind of the complete story around the athlete from the event to the news, to the long form documentaries and all of this stuff. And then for the brands that we work with, we've greatly simplified their entry into esports, right? Because for those of us who are in esports, the one big challenge that brands have is, well, there's two big challenges that brands have. The first one is many brands, um, when they enter esports, tend to do it in a very isolated or ad hoc way, meaning like, oh, I'm going to sponsor one event or I'm going to sponsor one team or, you know, um, I'm going to do one documentary. And then over the 12 month calendar, it literally looks like just a spike in March and that's it. Right. And one of our biggest arguments is that this community outside of seeing authenticity wants to see commitment. And so you need to participate. We, we always encourage brands to participate across the entire fan experience. Now, the second problem though, is in order to do that, like now the brand needs to go talk to like seven different companies, right? They got to talk to a tournament organizer. They got to talk to a production um, studio. They got to talk to a team. They got to talk to an MCN, whatever it is. So when they work with us, because we essentially have the entire ecosystem, the entire stack, we've made it a lot easier for, for the brands. And that's why we've been so privileged to kind of work with some of the world's biggest brands. I mean, Samsung, HP, Intel, Netflix, Tinder, um, DBS, Red Bull, um, Lazada, Shopee. I mean, these, these are huge. Toyota, uh, these are massive brands. And for a two-year-old esports startup to have a portfolio of partners like that, I, I think, as you know, is, is super rare. You know, as you've been talking, I've been doing some research on the side. And, you know, the narrative I can think of is... As you said, in the last two years, you essentially did, you accomplished what, with no fault or, or no offense to this other uh, property I'm talking to, what E-League could not do in North America. And E-League is just one of the most premier examples, but there's lots of other smaller versions of E-Leagues or one esports adjacent like companies, and they've never made it work uh with with like a north american audience and i think that just goes to kind of product market fit you know i mean there's there's like there's like a littered uh number like so many start dead startups focus on like um just like editorial in, yeah. in north america uh espn shut down their stuff or downsized yeah. heavily and yeah. now that i hear your story i'm like oh my god you basically made like a version of e-league work but as a startup that's kind of crazy yeah i think i mean um well the thing is is the, the key is ensuring that all the different parts of the content flywheel like are, are are coordinated and that's where i think you know frankly big media companies that have tried to get into esports have failed right because 
you know, most of these big media companies, it's like the Game of Thrones. I mean, it, 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 it's like literally a game of, of a lot of politics there. And so that, that's a case where being agile, being kind of incredibly focused on delivering an incredible fan experience is, is where we, I think, have an advantage and where we've been successful at doing that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, um, it, it's, it certainly has not been easy. And, um, but it's been an incredible journey. And by the way, the other, you know, I, you know, I'll never forget this. One of the, one of the coolest things that I got to do when I was in business school was meet Warren Buffett. And, um, and, uh, you know, we were at a dinner with him and, you know, someone asks, you know, the traditional question of, Hey, what advice would you give, you know, a fresh MBA? And, uh, you know, and then Mr. Buffett says, he literally says, like, just get on the right train. And he says, it doesn't matter if you sit in first class or in business class or economy, or even if you're a hobo and you jumped on the train, like, just get on the right train. Because, um, and then this is something that I, you know, what he also said, and I'm, this is like maybe like an 85% direct quote. He said, like, the better the train, the more mistakes you can make. And that, that is, has been really true. Like I personally have made a lot of mistakes um, as, as CEO of what esports, but because esports is a growing phenomena in the world and it is massively growing in Southeast Asia, like those mistakes don't matter as much, you know, you are, uh, because the train oh is just going, you know? That is such good advice. Uh, yeah, I never thought about it that way, but it kind of reminds me of two things or like a, a couple of stories in my life. One is, I can't tell you, I think it was like Discord as an example. I had a good opportunity to join Discord, but then I was like, I'm not joining unless I get the director title. Dumb move. Just seriously dumb move because the thing is, startups, they don't have time for that. They don't have time for your your, your vanity, right? Like you, you want it, you come in, you earn it, right? And, and look, at that time, as a gamer, you know Discord's going places, right? And who knows, they might go IPO, who knows, right? Um, yeah. So, so that's number one. Just forget about the title, just hang on for dear life. On, yeah. uh, uh, if you somehow got lucky to identify something that's like hyper growth and, and you have an opportunity. Um, number two, I am so glad that I am in gaming as well because when I was in my MBA, I kind of hedged my bets as well. I, I essentially did two summer internships, one at Riot Game in product and one in corporate finance at Shell, the oil company. Yeah, yeah, I spent, yeah. I actually somehow convinced my professor to let me like go a little bit late, but I did like seven weeks in Santa Monica and seven weeks in Houston. Nice. Houston was hot. It was hot in the summer. And yeah. then I got gaming Santa Monica, dude, done deal. Um, and... And really, as you, I mean, look that that like when I joined Riot, that's when East. I mean, esports has been around for a while, but like the emergence or the the hyper growth of League of Legends, which happened the same year, really with Twitch, like around twenty fourteen time frame. Of course, dude, their stories are intertwined, right? Place, right? right, right place at the right time, and yeah. um, and I haven't looked back because, uh, and and, and <laughs> I have made so many mistakes, and uh, when I look back, I'm like, oh my god, I'm so happy I'm in gaming because I, I can't even imagine what it's like to make a mistake in like a traditional industry or like a mature company. Like you can make no mistakes. You're done. Uh, or yeah, at least you for that job at least. Like, like in oil and exploration, right? Like, like the, you make a mistake there. You're like done. You, you know what I mean? Um, 
you know, the other, you know, the other thing I would say is I, I often say to people, there are really only three reasons why you should join a startup. And, and, and one of the reasons is actually probably not even a good one, but it's, it's, I think, a legitimate one. And the three reasons why you should ever join a startup are, in, in no particular order, is like you're just deeply passionate about the mission, whether that's putting people on Mars, whether that's making esports as big as like English Premier League or the NFL, or that's, you know, making wind power like the thing, like the, the first reason is you're just deeply passionate about the mission and, and what they're trying to do. The, the other reason why you join a startup is you want to learn as much as you possibly can in the shortest amount of time. And then the third reason why you join is if it hits, you're done. Like, you're, and, that's the, and that's the one reason where I think it might not be so legitimate because like you can't be totally oriented around economics because if you are then you i just generally feel you'll never get anywhere but in order to, to be successful at a startup you got to have two of those three at least two of those three you know um and the people who i find are the most successful in startups are people that have really the first two like they don't care about the money at all they don't even care about the equity they don't even they don't care about the title what they care about is the mission and just they are on a personal journey of growth you know, um, and so, yeah, it, it, it reminded me that you're thinking about the title, which is like, you know, when I interview people, I'm like, dude, if you're interested in a title, like go work at a big place where titles matter, you know, but right, at startups, right. they don't, you know. Man, that's such a, I don't know if this is like a tangential idea, but everything you just said made me think about um, someone, two people, one person, he was a senior producer at Riot and uh, I think he had like a fancier title as some other company, but he just didn't care. He really believed in the game. And I have to say some of the most successful people, but once again, you know, there's more, I, I remember the good examples. You don't know about the people who lost, right? So selection yeah, bias, yeah. But, yeah. but this person was like, screw it. I'm going to take as much compensation equity as possible. And then uh, at every equity round, when even it was insane, like 20, 30 X, his, um, I guess his, uh, I forget the, the term, his, um, his equity pricing, he, he didn't, he, he actually ended up buying more with his own cash salary. Yeah. 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 And then when 10 cent came knocking, I mean, that number, that, that, that strike price was like, it must be 40,000 X. And then, and then, <laughs> yeah. and then he retired. Yes. So, so great. Yeah. Good for him. Another example yeah. is, I'm a person, uh, one, of, one of my former friends, he, uh, he, he was debating what company to go to, and then he joined um, Snapchat. And look, Snapchat was a hot startup in LA. But, yeah, very, yeah. yeah, it was very hot, but you know, people were like, Facebook will clone you, will kill you, like, yeah. you know, things are not looking good, startup pains. But yeah. he stuck around. And yeah. I remember, because I, I remember I used to do some day trading, and you know, Snapchat stock was like $3, I think, like, at yeah. some point in time, like probably like really close to their IPO. And he just, he didn't, he didn't panic or he didn't care, which is also, you know, I think a lot of these meme uh, stock traders are kind of uh, yeah. hurting yeah. themselves a bit. And he just held it for years. And look, Snap all time high recently, if not like today. Yeah. Uh, and then throughout this time, this guy, this, this guy's crazy. He, um, he basically sold at like somehow at the peaks. Yeah. And then to buy like crypto at the, yeah, yeah. At, the, at the valley. I mean, 
this is yeah. just uh you know it's one of those these crazy stories about like i guess it reinforces your point about just like conviction i mean this is a little bit different but yeah like hey if you really believe in something you, you gotta just kind of go for it and go for it in a big way you can't yeah. like waffle on it about like titles and make competition yeah. i think yeah it's fair like you do what you need for your family um but yeah good point is there anything else, uh, any other advice you want to offer before we wrap things up? Um, I think the last thing I would say, um, and whether you are a, kind of a young professional or an experienced one, is if you're deciding between you know, two paths, you know, whether it be a new job or a new career, and it's a 50-50 call, always look at i think the first place where you look to 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 make the decision to make it 5149 is where are you going to learn more and no no matter how old you are whether you're 21 or dude like as a 37 year old you know deciding to join battlefight dude that was kind of late that was a that's kind of an old dude trying to get into startups right um but like the focus on just learning and and personal growth um, that I, I, I would encourage people to use that as their, as their North star uh, when, when the decision is a 50, 50, you, you know what I mean? Um, and because I think on the margin, that is the difference. It's like, where are you going to learn more that that is going to pay dividends, not only in the near end, but also o- over the long haul too. Awesome. Well, Carlos, thank you for all the advice, all the, uh, the fun stories. Um, I feel like just for my own personal job, I need to be mo- I need to be monitoring uh, one esports a lot more. So I look forward to all the stuff you and your your team is going to do. Great thing. Thanks a lot, John. Thanks for having me over. <laughs>